Demons discussed. Take five. The one with our TV wish list. Discuss the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We're your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean, as always. Hi, Angela and Jean. Hi, Val. Hi, listeners. Today, we are talking about our television production wish list. Did I lisp on that? (laughs) Don't try to say that three times fast. (laughs) Our television production wish list. List. There we go. Uh, we considered calling this Demon's Demands for a hot second, but nah, we're not going to do that. Uh, we come out with a general outline. This is kind of a loosey-goosey episode. Would you agree? How about de- how about how about Demon's Desires? Demon's Desires is better. DD. It yeah. falls into that. Um, so here's our general outline, and we're going to try to follow it. So hang in with with us, listeners. We're going to do this. You get to see how you get to see how magic is made tonight. Because <laughs> we're doing it on the fly, and we may or may not have had some alcohol, and we may or may, may or may not have had this discussion five hundred times before. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So scenes we hope are not cut. General casting. Oh, no. See, I messed it up. See, I can't even drink, you guys. <laughs> no, 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 you can drink. You, just, you can drink, but it's just going to be harder for you to uh, okay. edit this damn thing together. <laughs> I'm going to keep it in so they can hear it. I don't care. Okay, so really, we're discussing our hopes for the general atmosphere. Yay, I did it that time. Scenes that we hope are not cut. General casting wishes. If money is no object, a.k.a. television budget on a vampire's bank account. I did it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's start with our hopes for the general atmosphere. Uh, I haven't really thought about Discovery of Witches as much as Shadow of Night, to be honest with you, because Shadow of Night... I saw Wolf Hall and I'm like, I want Shadow of Night to look like that. That kind of light, those kind of sets. I just want it I want it to look like fifteen ninety. Yeah, I agree with that. But I would think a discovery of witches, if you had a scale of Wolf Hall to rain, as you put it before. Um I want Wolf Hall I think a discovery but I think the Discovery Witches should be somewhere in the middle yeah. there. And, and then Shadow of Night could be Wolf Hallish. I agree. I, I guess I, just, I, I want it to look more like public broadcasting as opposed to CW. <laughs> for, for your yeah. for, um, European I've... listeners, CW is very much oriented to the teen and youth. Uh, Everybody's pretty. Everybody's young. Everybody's young. There's a lot of anachronisms in there, and it's very shiny. Yes. Very shiny. It's Hollywood for TV. Yes. Um, I think as long for a discovery of witches anyway, that should be an easy one to do as long as you film parts at Oxford and parts in a place that looks like Hamilton, New York, 
and parts in a place that looks like, you know, France. it could be Fran- all the Auvergne in France, then I think we're good. I mean, it's as general as it could be. Right. I, I, I think generally for a discovery of witches, as long, I mean, I want the castle to look like a castle. I don't want the sets to shake like they did on Dark Shadows. Oh, well, how about how about even like Tudors? Tudor Tudors actually looked good to me. I mean, it had a nice yeah. look to it. It, it. They actually filmed in a castle in Ireland, if I recall correctly. I mean, if we've got if we get that, I'm fine. I'm not saying you need to go film in the Auvergne. You don't have to. Well, you do have you do have to go film in the Bodley, and I'm sorry, there's no way we can get around that. And have, I feel like be happy, but there are enough places that look like like where Septor is located and where Hamilton. I mean, that's anywhere in the Northeast, really. You know, I think they can make or Connecticut. It would work fine in Connecticut too, right? But but I think the thing of it is, is they can't film it all on a sound sound stage. There's going to have to be filming outside. You, you can't do CGI screens to recreate the hunting scenes. It just won't work. Well, I think CGI screens are going to have to happen in some respects because of the magic that's oh, involved. Oh, definitely, definitely. But I, I guess what I'm saying is so many productions nowadays figure cgi is a solution to everything including oh we don't want to build into the budget to go out someplace where you actually have to ride horses in nature see i don't think deb's gonna let that happen i don't think so either but i just need to put it out there in the universe to make sure that it does it is out there now (laughs) (laughs) duly out there (laughs) i i'm a difficult person i realize that (laughs) Eh. but we've lived with these books for five years they need to look it needs to look good on the screen because it's looked great in our heads for all that time and that's where the pressure would come in for the for the uh producers of the show i would think yes because she is so descriptive Mm -hmm. on the page that how do you translate that and make it a full experience on screen um, an example of who did it well. Let me think. Harry Potter, they did it well. Yes, they did. Um, trying um, to think of another situation where it was done well. I know there's a, there's a big, big um, controversy about the girl on the train right now because they translated the story to uh, suburban New York from uh London commuters and there are a lot of people who are very upset about that because they feel that the look of the movie is really look and the well a lot of the undercurrent of the movie has been undermined hmm. uh, one I can speak on is uh, Fifty Shades of Grey because I live here uh-huh. and most where is oh. here <laughs> in, in the general <laughs> Seattle Tacoma area and um it was done well because most of that was filmed up north in Vancouver in Canada. But they did the right things by shooting crucial scenes at crucial places. And I know the helicopter scene, I, I drug poor Robert to go see a movie with me. <laughs> and 
Oh. The helicopter. Was it really? Was it really poor Robert? Yeah, yeah. He was like, "Are are we getting <laughs> here?" I was like, "No, no. We got to see it." <laughs> oh my. Oh, well, um, we did go see a Scott. We did walk pack, past Descada when we went to visit Deb uh, at the signing up in Seattle. So yeah, we did the fifty. We did. Shade, we did the Fifty Shades tour of Seattle while we were there too. So thank yeah. you for that, Val. <laughs> well, I mean, we happen to be walking that way anyway. I'm like, by cool. the way, it was very. Cool. By the way, that's a Scala. Um, no, I mean, when the helicopter scene when it flew over the Tacoma Narrows Bridge, and Robert's like, "That's the Narrows Bridge." I was like, "Yeah." They're in the Seattle-Tacoma area. She's like, oh, okay. So they did a good job as far as getting crucial scenes where they needed to do it. And if they do the same for Discovery Witches, I'm fine with it. I, I'm easy. Just show me a couple scenes where it's supposed to be. Eh. And, as, and for me, as long as the magic doesn't look ridiculous. Are you a bunch of strings tied to it. <laughs> <laughs> Like <laughs> you know, fling some glitter. Yeah. Oh, sprinkle some fairy dust. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, go. Please make the special effects look good. Because I mean I want if the microcosm looks hanky, I'll be sad. Don't make Jean sad. Don't make me sad. Being <laughs> <laughs> sad is kind of a mess. <laughs> Oh, because of the microcosm scene is just so it's kind of pivotal it's very intimate and that could be spectacular too that it could be a oh, phenomenal yeah. that's where she takes that's where she takes flight while matthew is chasing her right and she flies in the air and her hair catches fire and then she, and then she slowly comes down and hands her a piece of herself yes just, it, that, that's yeah. this kind of Adal and that's the scene you mean, right? Yeah, so it's Adal in a nutshell. That's like when she finally is like, "Okay, we're done. It's a, it's us. We are an us. I am giving you a piece of me. Yes, which I had, I had no idea, Val. I, I asked you the, your thinking behind the poster you did of the al- alchemical wedding, and you, you'd said you wanted to kind of pay homage to that scene and where she's handing him the little energy ball, yeah. which I thought was awesome. Yep. It was the best way I could do it without making it look cheesy. Mm-hmm. So, so follow the demon's lead. Don't make it cheesy. <laughs> Don't make it cheesy. <laughs> that's, that, that's our admonition through the whole thing, Deb. Don't make it cheesy. Don't let them make it cheesy. I don't think she will. No, she, I honestly, will, she I, will put lay down her life to make sure this does not turn out cheesy. I have every faith. Well, first and first and foremost, I have every ounce of faith in Ashley that he is doing the ad- adaptation justice. And with Deb's input, it's going to be spectacular. But we're just talking about the execution of that adaptation. Yes, definitely. It's well for our listeners. What else has he done so we can make judgments? Based on that. The Living and the Dead, he just did. I didn't watch it. It's coming, I think it's coming this month, Is actually. It? it should be on BBC oh. America uh, this fall. Okay. So I think I think in October or maybe November. And, and, it, and from what I've gathered online, it's kind of a cool 19th century spooky kind of supernatural story. It almost, it's kind of got yes. a Jack the Ripper, Whitechapel kind of feel to it is what I was getting. Exactly. Yep. So he's going to be able to handle the 
historical fiction aspect of it and yeah historical fiction and king of the fields which it's huge for all souls trilogy i think it's in good hands i think so too oh here it is thursday october 27th on bbc america it's coming yay Yay. i mean it's much better than oh we could have gotten something like rain oh that would not have been good Something like rain. Now I have to watch it. It's a teenage version of what? Mary Queen of Scots, Angela? Yes. Yep. Oh, that that makes me shudder. <laughs> it just makes me shudder. I can't imagine a, a teenage, a version of Mary Queen of Scots targeted towards a teen, it's like teen audience. It just, yes, I realized she was a teenager when a lot of this went on, but. To try and I mean, convert it, the story to something that 21st century teens would want to watch, I, I can't see it ending well. Yeah. It's Mary Queen of Scots, and it's described as American historical fantasy romance television on the exploits of Mary Queen of Scots. So, I mean, that sounds like a whole bunch of wrong. <laughs> <laughs> starting, with, starting with American historical fantasy of not American history. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and there's nothing romantic about it at the end of the day, considering she loses her head. But <laughs> there's a whole bunch of way more than angst and just downright manipulation, conspiracy, and a whole lot of stuff that was out of that poor woman's hands. Well, at least this is all in Deb's hands. So Thank can we God. agree that <laughs> can we agree that we think this will be OK? Yes. Yeah, I do. Yes. Yes. She and she has been so solicitous of us as a fandom about what do you think? What do you want to see? What's, yeah, the, what's that's, important to you as fans? And I have not. I and th- that's throughout all of the iterations of the production plans. I mean, that was through. Warner Brothers, the BBC plan, and now the Bad Wolf plan. Yeah. So she, she's been continually asking and and wanting to know what what do you want to see? What do you want want not to see cut? Um, yeah. So that brings us into our next thing: scenes that we hope are not cut, so we can agree that that microcosm one, the one oh. where she gives her a piece of herself. That's one. How about other ones? I mean, have you thought about scenes you don't want cut? Let's concentrate on like discovery of witches oh, to start. Okay. Matthew sitting on top of the bridge's size that night when he stalks her. He oh, the needs thing. to sit. You know where he's sitting on top of the bri- on top of the roof of that bridge. Yeah, he need, mm-hmm. We need to see him sitting on that bridge. I mean, it'd be fun to see him see her try and hit him with the paddle. But I could. I mean, if it's the choice between the two, he needs to be on top of the bridge as opposed to her smacking him down. Well, she never actually smacks him down. I know, so but you know kinda... what I mean. <laughs> that, that, that scene where she wants to smack him down. Right. Um, let me think. What do I want not cut? How about you, Angela? you have any on your list? Yeah. My, Bob would I, never I'm, better yeah. not be cut. <laughs> that's my other one. Well, I, that, that, that's a given. Chapters, you know, 30, 31, 32. Um, in fact, they could expand those if they'd like. But, I, I mean, okay, I'm not 
the romantic of the group. So, of course, for me, I would want the ledger scene not to be cut. I mean, it doesn't have to go into detail, like numbers and get all nerdy. But just her discovery, her snooping oh, and the in seals. Matthew's library. The one where she... Yes, and discovering the seals. The one where she found out that the Knights of Lazarus has absorbed the Templars. Yes. Yes, but it was so precise and it was so... It just it was like a trail of breadcrumbs in that in the book that... It was like a, it wasn't just one epiphany. It was something that led to the next, led to the next. And I don't know how yeah, they're going to do more, it in could, the series. It could be done very easily visually. I think we you could get through it faster visually as she scans the shelf and just has this voiceover, voiceover a like, visually thing. Yeah, yes. with a voiceover yes. ex- explanation, that'd be perfect. Perfect. There, look at us solving all these TV problems. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Just a visual of her going through the bookshelves and pulling and pulling. I mean, that could be like a two-minute scene with a voiceover. Which is basically a whole chapter taking care of. Yep. But, that, but, but of. it's such an important scene because she just realizes, oh, my God, this whole family not only has existed forever. It's like they are history. They made the history. Yes, they are history. And, and and her visions. I think her visions are really important too. I hope we don't lose those I do too. because those kind of open up the whole narrative for the family and for her own family. And that's how she's how a lot of that stuff came up with her parents is through those visions. I mean, it, it's such an easy trick as far. And she already primed us for mm-hmm. uh, you know losing the yoga scene. Yeah, well, so. I can kind of see why you, it's. That yoga scene is really cool in your head, but translating it to the screen could get really silly. Yeah. You know, and I also don't think two dinner scenes are necessary. I agree. Yeah. The breakfast was pivotal. Yeah. I I would say the breakfast and probably if we had to pick one dinner scene over the other, I think it's when he has her to dinner is more important. Only because, again, I'm in love with the history of him go- them going down into his cellar at o- in the All Souls College and mm-hmm. going through the wine. I would love to see a fictional cellar of Matthews. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And I, I, I think just because she's in, what, New College? Yes. Um, yeah. I think because of the mystique, it would be more fun to see a representation of his rooms in all souls just because of the mystique of all souls, because not many people yes. are allowed behind the gates. And I, I just think you could do so much with that because there's also not the expectation. You're not going to have the people nitpicking. It's like, well, I went to new college and the, the rooms never did, never did look like that. So, right. I mean, you also avoid a lot of nitpicking issues. I think that way too. Yeah. But how much do television producers care about nitpickers? Really? Uh, probably they don't care very much, but no. being out in the fandom and having to listen to the nitpickers, I do. <laughs> and that's what matters. <laughs> don't make Jean sad. Don't make <laughs> that should be your goal. Yeah. In the world. Don't upset me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I am totally kidding. I am probably the most understanding person of the enormity of this task that Deb has because it, she writes such a dense, layered, beautiful story that trying to trans pick and choose what's going to go on the screen is just going to 
probably be impossible for her because all the blood, sweat, and tears that went into creating it. I do hope that they do the dancing scene at Septour. You could do that without it looking hokey, I think. It would look... Yeah. Oh, it'd be lovely. Just to catch the energy of Isabeau. Uh-huh. And the witch water one, yeah. Mm. That's, that's what I would absolutely have to see. That'd be hard to pull off, but I think I'd have to see it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just trying to think how... Oh. That it's like I don't I don't care how how they get it done. It just needs to get done. That's it. <laughs> I I hear you. Don't make Val sad. Yeah, that will make Val sad. <laughs> will make Val sad. <laughs> but yeah, I I have to have Baldwin's speech. I'm sorry. It's it's so there's so much imagery just packed in in his whole recitation of the history of the Knights of Lazarus that you could do such a phenomenal voiceover image sequence with that. It just, that speech, you found out hundreds of years oh, of history about the and, and it said so much about them too, because it's like, yeah, we fight for the underdogs. We, we make sure it's a, we always make sure it's an, a fair fight. I mean, yeah. all of that, when you look at it at the end of the day, it's a, Philippe was about making things a fair fight, yep. which speaks volumes. I'm not saying it's Henry V Agincourt speech, but I like it just Oh, the same. yes. Yes. It's St. Crispin's Day all over again, really. Yes. Uh, and that, yeah, that goes back to, that goes back to our last dream topic about <laughs> things. Um, General casting. Yeah. But I'm trying to think there was, there was one more thing in a discovery of witches that just the, I know what it was. It was uh, the fireworks in the bedroom. Their, their whole when they finally came together because that was just done so tastefully and oh with the fireworks so, yeah the star the stars on the ceiling I think yes. that that could be done so tastefully and just so so emotionally I I think that would that more even more so than um, the bundling no well yeah even more so than the bundling I thought the the fireworks in Madison were better just just because the way she did it visually with the the stars, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and it, it, it can be run on at 8 o'clock. <laughs> you know what? I, I just think um, the house is pivotal, too. Oh, yeah. You you really have to. That, the like I said in another episode, the ensemble of the cast getting together trying to figure out this thing, especially after Juliet and realizing this is a, a, a really big thing that mm-hmm. they were actually at war. It's no longer theory. We might be at war. No, they are at war. So, you know, the meetings that take place, everything, all their plans leading into the next book. I think as long as that's there mm-hmm. and, and the trees don't look fakey. I don't want. I don't want. The, I don't want the trees around the house to look fake, especially with the whole confrontation with Juliet, because that oak tree is so pivotal. Pivotal. Don't make Jean cry. I, I'm a visual person. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't want people to be disappointed in this production because the che- the sets look cheap. Yeah. I, you know, don't 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 put a fake tree in there. Just just go film outside. <laughs> you know what? I don't think they'll put a fake tree. I know. I have a I lot like, of faith. I, I like a lot of faith. I have a lot of faith in this. I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
up, upstate New York is a big place to have your pick of where you want to film. I mean, that's like I said, that's anywhere from let's say Maryland to Maine can look like upstate New York. Yeah, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Yeah, see, that's a whole bunch of ant for me. I'm like, eh, I, I have total faith. I'm just not worried. <laughs> I borrow <laughs> trouble. You guys know that. I know. It's funny. I think everyone agrees, though, that the Bishop House is its own character. Yes. Yes. The house and Tabitha. Because, you know, got to have a black cat. Mm -hmm. And the horses. You have to have the right horses for Rakasa and Balthazar. Yeah. Yeah. They'll work it out. I know. They will. (laughs) Look at me. <laughs> what a mess of a podcast. I'm like, eh, I'll work it out. The end. Okay, bye. See you next week. <laughs> Something more important. Okay, casting. casting. <laughs> Not spelling casting, just casting, casting. Casting, casting. Yes. And we're not talking who should play who, but what's important in casting. Yes. yes. Oh. The look and the aura of the character is important. Now, here's my wheelhouse. If you mess up the characters, you mess up the whole thing. True. Don't make don't make Val cry. God, don't make Val cry. It's not a good thing. <laughs> like uh, we were discussing the other day, like Isabeau. I showed you the picture of that face of uh, that actress. I forgot her name. But oh, it Ava doesn't Green. have to be that. It's Ava Green. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be Ava Green, but somebody Ava Green esque. You know, <laughs> it's an attitude. It's it, I, I, no, it's I know the, what you're saying exactly. It's like it's not necessarily the. You, you, we have you have to keep true to to the how Deb conjured up the characters. Not in one respect, it really upsets me when it's it's like okay, well, I think blah 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 should be X Y Z, and it's like why you disregarded every single character trait and physical characteristic that Deb has ascribed to that character. What makes you think that this particular actor embodies anything about the character that is written? We should should probably mention that since we do run a fan site that is got a fantasy cast on it, that we, yes, we think that actor would be great. However, we're not married to the idea. We're realistic. We definitely have understudies in our heads <laughs> of who else could possibly play the the role of Matthew. And Matthew happens to be a big one. Uh, Diana, I'm not so married to. I, I okay. Diana's a hard one. <laughs> Diana's always been a hard one. I mean, I think yeah. it's because the way the book is designed that especially the female readers kind of put themselves in that role as you're reading it. You put yourself in Diana's shoes. So um, when you're watching the screen, you're not going to see a mirror image of yourself. That's why she's hard to cast. Um, I mean, you can put a a blondish actress on there and just hope she does. Okay. But you have to kind of get somebody who's as intense as she is. Cause when it comes to studying, when it comes to mm-hmm. certain things, she's very intense. So you have to get somebody who's intense yeah, and somebody who can convey highly intelligent, but with not with a commensurate emotional intelligence, because that's part of, that's part of the thing with Diana is like, she's kind of clueless when it comes to functioning right. in life. 
Well, yeah, that that was by design in her plan. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, she's got to be able to go through a metamorphosis, yeah. too. I mean, she starts out with blonde hair that sticks up all over the place because she's got the pent-up magic, and then, you know, Shadow of Night is different, yeah. and then Book, Book of Life, it's different. Yeah, I mean, like you said, she goes through, She it's an actress that's going to be able to outwardly portray the inward, uh, the inner changes, I guess. Right, but and her inner turmoil will have to be able to see that. Yeah. So it has to be an a, uh, an actress who can convey that. I mean, Deb's written nothing but complex characters, so uh, this is not a job where you bring in people who haven't acted before. I I think, or a model across the board <laughs> for any of these roles. Yeah, it's just not, there's a lot what of I'm, nuance. What I'm curious, what I'm curious about is. Each character is sent. I mean, Diana, not so much, but it's it's important in the books anyways that she smells, has that lingering taste in her mouth or in her nostrils of the cinnamon and cloves. How do you portray that on, on television? You can't. Right. Unless you have a voiceover describing it. You can't. But at that point, what's the purpose, really? Right. I mean, somebody who never picked up the books and turns on the TV and said, I don't care what this dude smells like. You know what I mean? Right. So I think a lot of that, a lot of the nuance, some of the nuance we're going to have to lose because it just doesn't translate. But that's one thing that I enjoy. I mean, OK, I, I'll concede if, you know, that's not going to happen. But even when she opens Philippe's letter and she smells bay leaf and laurel, it's just I, I like those extra touches. And I guess it, it, it won't be or could possibly not be in the, well, I guess we won't cry. In, in the whole, yeah, if we're, as we're regressing, back to the, <laughs> the, the whole wine, ta- the whole wine tasting scene. It's probably something that may lose a little bit in translation too, because that's like the character sense. It's very hard to nuance. Tra- it's very hard to translate to, the, to yeah. the, the screen. But anyway, but back to casting. It's like I don't do not envy the casting director for this because everybody's going to have an opinion, and all I ask is that they pay attention to how Deb went to a great deal of effort to describe each and every character and i'll be honest if people start ignoring the fact that matthew looks like a panther or that baldwin is copper has copper colored hair and is more of a slender athletic build i'm going to be really upset (laughs) no because the 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 difference in their body builds comes into play in book of life and the the way they look reflects the time frame and the the uh, culture they were in when they were converted to being a vampire. Yeah, kind of th- I mean, all those little things. She threw all those things in as little clues for a reason. I know, Jean, but let me play devil's advocate. Okay, you are a history buff. Yes, you are someone that knows those little nuances. You are. We're talking about somebody just picking up the remote and turning on the TV, right? So what would that matter to them? Well, it wouldn't matter to them, but the, 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 if, he, if he was or wasn't, co- what color hair a car- character had wouldn't matter to a casual viewer, but it would matter mm-hmm. greatly to someone who is not casual. That's true. My point and- being is that why change it? if it isn't going to draw in new viewers. I mean, how is, cha- how is changing a bit about uh, 
a nuance of a secondary character going to draw in more? It won't. No, it won't. That's my point. It's like, and but there's there's a certain certain mentality of casting where it's like, oh, this guy's really cute. We could find a role for him. Right. And that that is something that just runs counter to the way I view these books. I mean, it sounds simple, but the way Deb has described people's hair, characters' hair in the books, it's important. I mean, you picture Baldwin as fiery and his hair is copper. You picture Sarah, you know, no nonsense, straightforward. Her hair is mm-hmm. red and fiery. Matthew's got the lush black hair with and he's and the, got the tells and the, that goes the with pale it. skin and the green eyes that are all very yeah i think it's all important. um and and, the, and another thing is like i was as val was trying to dissuade me the, another thing that's important about baldwin having copper colored hair is it's it's a visual sign of where he comes from he's he's not mm-hmm. he may be made in roman times but he's not a Roman from the from Rome. He's not a typical dark-haired Italian. What we would think is a Roman, as as a with a red redheaded redheaded uh, person from that time. He was probably from a client country, which I mean, not everybody's right. going to realize. But I'm not trying to dissuade you. I'm just <laughs> why it's it, it's kind of important because it it's a visual cue later down the line at some and that's point what time. I wanted to hear. And, you know, we may be in book four and five where Baldwin's backstory becomes a totally important thing. And it's like, you cast some black haired guy as Baldwin. You're totally screwed. Right. You know, that, well, right. Deb's not screwed. She can write what she wants. No, she can write whatever she <laughs> wants just, but I'm just saying as far as the TV production's concerned, you're kind of screwed. You'll have a divergence. <laughs> You'll have a divergence, like kind of like True Blood and the Sookie Stackhouse series, where there was there was a divergence. I know. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Well, well, there's also the diver- you- there's also the big divergence with Game of Thrones right now, from what I understand, because George R. R. Martin is still behind in his writing. He's still writing, so they had to come up with it in ending. But no, exactly. You did exactly what I wanted you to do to articulate for the audience why it's important. Yeah, I mean, Deb is very precise. As we know, there's no coincidences with her. So to, for, as Jean was saying, for Baldwin to have there's copper color hair, I think that was very cal- calculated. I mean, Roman coins are made of copper. They use a lot of copper. I mean, I just, I don't think it was a coincidence. And to see that vanish in the series, um, whether the TV viewer picks it up or not, it's still important. There you go. And, and, don't make us cry. And for, for Mir- <laughs> uh, Miriam's another excellent example uh, as far as, how so? Uh, her and her curly, her curly dark hair, and her, her pale skin, and the fact that she's so petite are all clues to where she, to when she came from, to where she came from. Um, I've seen some talk in the fandom where some people have interpreted her, interpreted her as coming from um, an African lineage, Africa, mm-hmm. but. which also is going to be interesting to see how that shakes out because there's a difference between being African of a racial type and being culturally African, which would include all of the Semitic countries and North Africa, which is pretty much Arabic. 
So there's a dichotomy there. I mean, Deb's got some very specific descriptions and clues of uh, descriptions of Miriam and, and clues as to her background in that. And I think the producers really need to pay attention to that as well. And I would hate for them to see, for see Miriam as an opportunity to just call her a ta- uh, look at her as a um, casting quota. What do you mean? Well, as Angela says, what, what do you what, mean? What do you mean? <laughs> I, I think some, I was like, no, some, people, some people would look at it as, you know, well, um, it, it's an opportunity to, to cast an African-American actress. Right. Where I don't think that's, that was Miriam's background, but that's, that's the way I've interpreted the clues. Um, ah. And the fact that we've had long discussions about her last name of Shepard. Right. For another thing. I, it, it, I think there's opportunities with certain characters for casting directors to play fast and loose. And I just hope they don't. Is that fair? That's fair. <laughs> why, are, why are you laughing now? Because <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like I've put you on the freaking trial. It's like, no. <laughs> No, I just needed you to expand because I know what you're talking about. Angela knows what yeah. you're talking about. Maybe some of the audience needs help yeah. there. And, I, so. and, I, and audience, I apologize if I sound like I'm, I'm lecturing or, or, or perhaps being too big for my britches. But she was born big for her britches. Yeah, so I, I, I can't. I can't find <laughs> pants to fit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm very. Um, we'll say persnickety. No, we won't say persnickety. I'm just very involved in the details. Yes, and I'm, I'm very protective of Deb's work. But that doesn't mean to say I know better than Deb at all. That's right. I just That's guess right. a lot, and I'm usually wrong. No, you're not. Yeah, actually, Watch I out. am. <laughs> the thing is, the reason I'm more wrong than right is because I keep trying to throw stuff at the wall, and it, you know, sometimes it sticks and sometimes it doesn't. But when you throw a whole, that's how I cook spaghetti, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just throw it at the wall, see if it sticks. Um, again, like I said, I'm just here, whole hum, not worried because she's there. She'll protect it. I, I think she. I th- honestly, I think Deb got some really good advice from some people who've already gone through the process to to do everything that she needs to do to protect her work and protect her characters and to protect her vision. And I think she will do everything she needs to do to make sure that happens. And I think she also has some really badass people whispering in her ear to make sure that Deb has all the tools she needs to make that happen. I think so too. And when she doesn't, she's got some awesome consultants like that martial arts. Oh, Patrick! Yes. Oh, his podcast is fabulous. Wyman. Yeah. I mean, she's she's got the best of the best. When she doesn't have the best of the best, she finds Mm -hmm. the best of the best. I would agree. All right. So we're going to move on to our last subject. If money was no object. If money was no object. If the television budget. Was from a bank vampire's bank account. Yes, let's just say that. And so, besides doing it word for word, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, imagine how long that series were. Oh God, would be that'd be a, 
That'd be great. That'd be well. Discovery, discovery of witches would take three, three years. I was going to say done. three seasons. <laughs> discovery of witches. I don't know if that'd necessarily be a good thing, though. Honest to God, no, because you'd have your vampires aging, <laughs> and all your all your vampires would age out of their parts. But that would mean we could actually <laughs> film at at a castle in France, and could have all our locations in Oxford, and. Have a fabulous helicopter at La Pierre. Um, Fleet of Range Rovers. Yeah. And Oscar winning actors in minor roles. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Let me start casting Hamish then. Well, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Who would be your oh. Hamish Valerie, by the way? Uh, you are the Hamish expert. Who would be your Hamish? Johnny Lee Miller is my number one. Ooh, I like that. He would be a really good Hamish, actually. He's very bird-like, and he's very precise. And he's and he's he's, he's bird-like, precise. He's Angelina Jolie's ex, so that makes it okay. And I really like his shape. I, I really <laughs> like his uh, Sherlock Holmes. Yes. In oh, elementary. Yes. Yeah, he's my number one. He'd be my Hamish. Yes. Beyond everybody else. And, and if Miriam were Asian, Joan, uh, the gal who plays Joan would be my Miriam. Uh, what is her name? I can't. Lucy oh, Lou. Lucy, yes. Lucy Lou. But she'd be your Miriam? She'd be my Miriam if Miriam were Asian. Okay, because so while we're going same... down this route, um, so while we're at it, um, if we're going to have lots of money and cast who we want. Um, Emily to me would be Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, hire her. Oh yeah. She'd be, she, hmm. she'd be a good Emily, I think. And, and uh, Susan Sarandon would be an excellent Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. I could see it. Or Stocker Channing, but Stocker Channing's too old. You think? I think so by now. Well, yeah. Hmm. Though I kind of like the idea of Rizzo being in our production. <laughs> Right. For so many reasons. She's, she's great in everything. True. Um, True. Let's see. If money were no object. Oh, Philippe. Angela, any ideas? Hmm. Well, there's, I don't know. You, you, we've talked a couple times about who we think could be the breathtaking, uh, oh. tawny haired. I know, but actor. that also entire entails time walking. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Has he aged out of his vampire part? He's gotten too dingy. <laughs> Angelina, Angelina wrung him out and threw him out wet. No. Oh, Brad, really? <laughs> Troy era Brad, yes. I think that's who okay. Deb had in mind when she was writing the book was Brad Pitt from Troy. Because if you look at him as Achilles, it's like, oh, yeah. That's tough for me. I mean, a lot of people will suggest Philippe's, but... In Shadow of Night, she says he's the breath, most breathtaking creature, creature yeah. I've yeah. ever seen. And that's, I mean, more than Matthew. So yes, right. Is, how yeah, do you it's even like, it, come it's up like with Brad that? Pitt in a moment, in like one photograph, where he's just like the sublime, ultimate Brad Pitt. Hair flowing. Perfect. Which is like, not usually not mostly, he's mostly not perfect. I feel like he's gotten better as he aged. I like him scruffier. But he's not vampire quality, no. though. No. No. No longer. No longer. And Vigo, I would say Vigo sometimes in certain photographs, but he's also aged out. Yeah. 
Well, it depends how long the series goes. Yeah. I, I mean, because some of our picks are aging out as we oh, speak. Some of our picks have got, <laughs> our, our, one of our main picks got way too expensive and way too talented. In Yeah, that would be Michael Fassbender, right? Yeah. Priced way out of our range. <laughs> we can't afford him. <laughs> but for a Discovery of Witches, he's only has to show up for maybe one episode. It's like, dude, it's one day on the set. You can do it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Like three days on the set for Book of Life. Right. Well, there. Let it be done. You know what I can't wait to wrap my head around is that they will all pretty much look the same age, even though, like, Philippe is how many thousands of years older? He's yeah. really going to be the same age as... And Isabel's, yeah, so and Isabel's Isabel. mother and looks younger? Right. Have you given thought to Isabel, Val? Um... Originally, I said Angelina Jolie-esque, mm-hmm. something with that aura, something that could look cold, yet gloriously beautiful, like Angela. I think, I think Eva Green yeah, does that um, Just like, if you can picture her from 10, 15 years ago, she just had this aura of, she could be cold, but still gloriously beautiful. Do you know what I mean? And portrayed intelligence through her eyes. It, she's um, there are some actresses out there that can portray so many emotions with her eyes, and she's one of them. Um, somebody like that. Like I'm saying, I, nothing specific. They have to have an aura about them. So, yeah, if I could afford her, about Angelina Jolie, fifteen years ago with blonde hair. Well, honey. Okay. I know. Honey, honey hair. hair. I'm really particular about that because honey is kind of light brown. True. I always thought Diane Kruger because she's got that like that very elegant, unapproachable. Yeah, that could work. Yeah, that could work. I always pictured a young Catherine yes. Deneuve. Yes. Aged out and we can't afford her. Well, yeah. Way no, way dreaming. <laughs> I can have her. <laughs> yeah, you can have her. That's right. In our mind movies, we can have whoever we want. Very true. Very true. Marcus. Has anybody given thought he, to Marcus? He's a hard one. He's for got me. a lot of personalities. Why I always have a hard time is it, somebody's got to be. He, he's got to be cheeky and smart and young, but not young and, and somewhat goofy in the first book. Oh yeah. But yeah. smart. Mm-hmm. He's wearing chucks. Someone who I mean, he's somebody who has to be able to wear chucks and do it non-ironically. Yeah. He's got to mean it, but he's got to be that, I don't know. Yeah, he's always been hard to picture. I mean, I always picture, like, a lot of kids around here, like my son's friends, just yeah. okay, a little bit, a little bit scruffy, but smart as hell. They wear what they want, you know, like they do in Washington. People wear what they want and do what they want. <laughs> yeah. Do what they want. And, you know, you can be at a formal affair here in Washington. People will show up in sandals and, <laughs> and shorts and, and a tux top. But that, that's what's perfect about Marcus, though, because as I was saying before, he, he's a rebel. So in everything he does, it's, it's that thread that runs through him. Yes. Yeah. Dresses how he wants, wears what he wants, a lab coat and chucks, and no big yeah. deal. We're, well, what else? Go I ahead. Say, I think we talked about everybody that shows up in Shadow of Night for the most part. I mean, the main characters. Then there's yeah. Fred, the porter. 
Fred the Porter. He's going to be, he's hot in my head. (laughs) Well, why shouldn't he be? (laughs) Who said he's got to be this regular guy? He's, he could be hot. Oh, and Timmy. (laughs) Timothy. Timothy. Timothy is important, actually. I mean, you don't want him to be too goofy. No, somebody who appears there, but not. I mean, he's got to be eccentric, but not goofy. I was going to say, in Ada, though, you're right, though, Val. He can't appear too important. Yeah, he's got a, just somebody who blends in the background. And somebody you're just like, oh, that. Despite the fact he's wearing two different color boots. <laughs> but nobody you give two thoughts about, I think. Yeah. Look at all these weirdos that Diana's encountering. That's, that's what should be your thought. Right, <laughs> to me, exactly. Timothy, Johnny Lee Miller is like a really good Timothy because he's got that same quirky, the quirky brilliance that's got to come into play later on. So does, like when you say Johnny Lee Miller, I think that's perfect. But I also think of that, like Alan Cumming in that same. Yeah. Yes. Plus Johnny Lee Miller's taken. He's Hamish. Whatever. Okay, fine. Fine. <laughs> just, as, just as long as Jonathan Reese Myers is Kit. That could still happen. Yeah. Although he's in Vikings supposedly coming up. Yeah. I don't know. All I can say. Is that all we're going to do with our budget? Cast people? No. Well, no. We already said we're going to do everything on location. And, um, right. <laughs> unless you've got a director in mind. Fly three demons in for every yeah. episode. <laughs> yes, three certain demons. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Clarissa, the other two. <laughs> All they have to do is pay airfare. We'll do. Yeah. <laughs> we'll Val promises um, not to laugh while she's sitting in the carols at the Bodleian. <laughs> Good luck. I would be. I would be so disappointed if she didn't. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Angela will flip me wine just to spite me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just be like, uh, on my forehead going, I don't know these people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh. I think that wraps it up, guys. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. I think we did good. <laughs> All right, everybody, audience, my fellow demons. I think it's time to close because there's some wine to be drunk. Yes. It's staring at me in the face. I feel like you're going to break out into so long, so long. (laughs) (laughs) If I could sing, I would, but (laughs) don't let it stop you. (laughs) You clearly have not had enough wine. (laughs) And for the audience, um, Angela enjoys me on wine. She says that I am especially humorous. It's not Val drinking wine. It's Val on the wine. Val on the wine is, (laughs) it's awesome. Yeah. A lot more laughing, apparently. It's, it's giddy. It's giddy. It's giddy. giddy. And apparently I'm, I'm a demanding person. (laughs) No, I'm the one that's demanding. Damn it. (laughs) Okay. Like I said, audience, <laughs> we're going to go yeah, now sorry. and drink yes. our wines. We would recommend that you listen to this particular podcast while drinking wine. wine. We'll put that in yes. the show notes. Do we, do we have a, a contest question? No. We should. What's your, what are you drinking? There's your contest question. For which contest? I Our giveaway. Our giveaway. Which giveaway? 
<laughs> Are you just being difficult, Don? No, because we already have a contest question. It's a trivia question on what Angela said in the first episode for the Halloween. Oh. We haven't we haven't come up with the other one yet. Well, we'll probably need to splice it into this one because by the time this one's put up there, we'll be on another contest. And we can come up okay. with one. We should stop recording. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna do a closer. Do man. the closer, and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> Damn it! I'm not in line. <laughs> I'm in the closet, and I'm not in line. <laughs> <laughs> I have to walk across the damn house to get more. <laughs> okay, as we wrap it up, guys. Wrap it up, Val. We're going to say goodbye and drink our wines. But since you're listening to us, you already know how to find us. But do you know how to subscribe to us? Subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, or I have a whole bunch of other places you can click and subscribe. Contact us on social media. We are Demons Domain or Demons Discuss on your Twitter, on your Facebook. And visit us at our home base, demonsdomain.com. And if you just want the podcast, Visit us at demonsdiscuss.com. I can't talk. It's the wine, guys. And we're going to leave you here and continue to drink. So have a great day. And who's playing us out? What's going on? Because apparently he's blasting the stereo now. No, Wisconsin was winning. Oh, Wisconsin was. I don't know. We watched the the tribe and the the Blue Jays, and that was enough for me. This is like the Oscars. They played me out. Okay, goodbye, audience. Goodbye, audience. (laughs) (laughs)